Well, hello, Idaho, my friends and fellow CEOs of life. This is Jason Harwood, the creator of the CEO Idaho podcast. And real quick before we get started, I just want to encourage you to go and check out all of the resources I have available for you in your quest to be the CEO of your own life. Go follow me on Instagram, CEO Idaho. Check out the CEO Idaho Facebook page and go to thejasonharwood.com. Uh, check out my blog, check out the resources that I will have available for you there. Okay, let's get started. You are the CEO of your life. You have to make it happen because let's be honest, no one will make it happen for you. Three things are going to make all the difference in your success. Whether you run a business, a household, or your career, those are first, your mindset, second, your habits, and third, your productivity. And who better to learn from how to maximize your mindset, habits, and productivity hacks than the successful local CEOs and business owners? Watch what they do that you can do too. So here we go. Mindset, habits, hacks, all part of the CEO Idaho podcast. Let's get started. Well, hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am joined by Annie and Dusty from Redco Construction and Redco Concrete Solutions, two different uh, divisions uh, within their company from out in Nampa. Uh, Annie and Dusty, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, I, I would call you, in fact, as we were setting this up, it's kind of funny, Annie, you and I were talking, I'm working with my neighborhood trying to get them to put in a couple concrete pads for uh, what's called pickleball. So uh, mm-hmm. lots, of const- lots of concrete needs. Uh, someone would call you because they need a, a parking lot poured or mm-hmm. A driveway replacement. We kind of market ourselves to homeowners and property owners who need concrete replaced or oh. added onto. Um, we stay away from the new construction side of things. So we do a lot of concrete driveway replacement, foundation repairs, drainage issue um, repairs, waterproofing of basements and crawl spaces, things to that nature. Okay. Okay. So I am going to call you when the my cement driveway, uh, be- the cracks become un... Yeah. Un- t- <laughs> or, if it, or if it peels. You're seeing a lot of concrete now that peels. Huh. Um, and that's, they, they blame it on the, on the... Ice melt. Ice melt, but that's not true. It's actually how it's poured is the problem. Okay. Now... So we okay. try to educate our customers on those things as well to make sure that they're getting the product because it's not a cheap process. And so we want to make sure that they understand what they're buying, what to look for, even if they don't use us as their contractor, mm-hmm. what questions to ask another contractor to make sure they're getting the best product. Yep. So that's an important question here in Idaho. So I've got my driveway okay. and I've got the worst of the houses because I've got a north facing house. Yeah. So my yeah, driveway, it never, it never, so what can I put on my concrete that's safe? Well, that, for like any ice of those ice melt. Yeah, they, they use, now rock salt, you don't want to do that. That'll pit the concrete. But ice melt, most of the stuff that's sold around here and, you know, Home Depots and Lowe's and all that are pretty safe for concrete. Okay. They, a lot of it that's peeling is because 
whoever poured it poured it so wet that the co- that the water rose to the top and it delaminated the top coating from the aggregate. So it's almost like uh, a film, a cement film on top of yeah. the pad so, that then pops off when it, I mean, Idaho goes below zero, over 100, yep. and that top layer acts kind of as a sponge. So when water gets in, it freezes and expands, it pops it off, and that's where you're seeing those surface imperfections on concrete now. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, now I feel better about myself that I can go ahead and use my <laughs> ice melt, just not rock salt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no rock yeah. salt. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, one of the first things that uh, I, I always like to talk about with business owners is mindset because so much of success is determined by how you choose to approach um, problems, how you choose to approach growth. As you guys have run this business and been doing this for a long time, what allows you to maintain uh, a mindset of growth, a mindset of optimism, and that uh, and that allows your business to succeed because of of kind of the way you approach things. I think it's important to keep the bigger picture in mind. Um, owning your own business is tedious, and you can get weighed down in the tiny details of things, and that can affect your optimism. You know, like mm. if you're dealing with a million little tiny problems. You can think the sky's falling, but if you take a step back and kind of look at the big picture of how this all fits together and compartmentalize those things, it's a little bit easier to handle and to keep the perspective that, you know, we are working towards something bigger than this mm. one issue. Towards and, a bigger goal. Yeah. What is that for you guys? What's, the, what's kind of maybe the end goal? What's the big vision of what you're working towards goal for me is is building a good company where you have good people uh, reliable people and and educate your customers whether they hire you or not and give them a good product actually care about the construction industry um i Mm. feel like it's just so fast right now nobody really cares anymore it's just hurry up and get it done and we're not that way yeah. Huh. How do you get, how do you get, um, um, workers, uh, you know, uh, employees to buy into that same vision? Cause you guys are talking pretty big grand ideas, right? I mean, a, yeah. a, an average worker might not care about the overall image of the company or the overall image of the construction industry. And they don't. They don't, and that's the big, <laughs> it's the truth, though. They're just here for a paycheck, and that's, you know, you have to understand that. So, it's what the challenge is, okay, so everybody has their bad habits and their and their issues, especially in the construction business, it's kind of a, a flaky business, but is what we've done is we've tried to hire guys that were uneducated in the construction business, or very little education in it, and train them our way, so they're they're taught the way we want it done. We want them to have, you know. And they're proud of the brand. Yeah, we they want can it. stand behind right. Redco's product and Redco's brand, and it's something that they're proud of to say, that's the company I work for. Yeah. It's just like they're fighting in the office this morning over the new hats, you know. They all want one or two, you know. <laughs> it's, 
it's you know they, they're proud of the image and and huh and we have it's hard to find that i think we have nine employees right now five of them have worked for us for over five years wow. one of them's worked for us for 12 years so we have this core of guys that have our back and yeah. they're like family to us and preserving those relationships is so important yeah yeah. And then we have the other guys that kind of come and go. Yeah. And you can always tell within about 48 hours of somebody working for us whether they're going to stick or not hmm. based on the size of their ego. Yep. If they come in and say that they know how to do everything and try to be chief, you know, you know the they're crew, not for us. Yeah. They're not going to fit. So yeah. we like to train them from the ground up is what we try to do. And that's how come, you know, we've had some of these guys for a long time. But you can't just go out and hire anybody. You have to get a young guy that's willing to learn and then teach him. You got to spend time teaching him and it costs money and time, but it's money well spent. Um, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, good people are hard to come by. Would you say that's common in your industry to go out and find people who have no experience or very limited experience and, and have a corporate philosophy of we're going to start with people who don't know much and build them up? No, it, nobody does that. They want somebody that knows everything already. Yeah. And in my eyes, they already have bad habits. Hmm. Most of them have a bad habit, especially in the concrete business. A lot of guys throw water on their concrete. We don't do that. So when we hire a concrete guy that has years of experience, first thing he wants to do is throw water on it. Well, with us, that's a no. And the, the key is, is can you teach them the right way, and when you're not looking – to keep doing it the right way. So there's a fine line there. We haven't found a guy yet um, that's been in the concrete business for a long time that do doesn't have bad habits. Uh, huh. The other difference is with Dusty, he's willing to go, even though he's the business owner and even though work. he is, you know, doing bids and other stuff, he is willing to put on his work boots every morning and go to the job site, and get in the him. hole and dig get on his knees and scrub concrete, whatever it takes yeah. to, make it to show that this is a team mindset and that the owner is not any better or any. Yeah, we're all a team. And we want to, we want to treat our guys the same way we want to be treated. We want to treat them with respect, their families with respect. There's days that guys call and they're like, oh, my, my daughter is sick. We, okay, do what you got to do. I'll go fill in for you, no problem. And so you try to be one big family. And the same thing, if I called any one of these guys that work for me right now and said, hey, we have to work all night and all weekend, they'd be in 100%. Hmm. So it's, it is rare. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the approaches is a, a change in hiring practices and then maybe a change in your do – you, do you block time out? Do you – uh, right, because some guy calls in and says, I'm sick, okay, I'll go do the job, but you probably already had 100 tasks to do today besides that. And yeah. that's where being flexible comes in. I mean, you have yeah. to be willing to change and flex and multitask. And so he may be at the job, and I send somebody else to go do the bid that he was scheduled for, but then they call him, and he's able to take the call. Cell phones are a great thing this day and age, because <laughs> yeah. he can multitask, he can be on a job site, but yet counseling on another job or taking calls from me on things that I need 
from the administration side? A lot of it depends on the scheduling of that job. If the job's kind of under a timeline and, and we have to get it done in a certain time, we'll move guys around if we have to or myself um, to, to go make sure the job happens. We want to do what we say we're going to do and, and keep our timelines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, huh. And, now, and, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say another big key for us is we have a full-time mechanic that works on our semis and our tractors and all that, and he actually can pour concrete too. So, Cross-training. Yeah, so he's been here about four years, and, and he's phenomenal mechanic, but he's also a very good concrete guy now through the years of taking him on jobs, and he caught on real quick. And we can actually send him out to pour stuff by himself if we need to. <laughs> so... Huh. Yeah. Everybody in the then company he, can do the main function. That's Listen, yep. I learned I can run a skid steer. So yeah. if I can run a skid steer then Yep. Yep. We're all versed. We in work together. How to yep. do it. And not not everybody can do everything, but everybody seems to be able to do what is the the core function of the company. And it just I mean you may not have that skill, but if you come together as a team then well, stuff can get done the is, is the bottom line. The key is to train everybody to run a tractor. And, and in these companies now, they have their main operators. Anything real big, of course, you want your main operator on. But uh, like skid steers and things like that, if you let guys, you know, have some seat time, they can learn. And some of them are phenomenal immediately. And, uh, and they – you know, it just helps everybody out. You got two guys on a job running two different machines. You can get the job done quicker. So mm -hmm. I let everybody, even the brand new guys, run skid steers, especially at our own yard because we load a lot of our own trucks at our yard. So I'll let them load trucks and figure it out and yeah. have a little bit of seat time. And nobody else does that. The main guys run the tractors, and that's that for mm -hmm. most companies. But I feel like if you educate all of them, they can all do everything. Yeah. So. So I want to go back real quick. I, I kind of went down that um, oh. interesting rabbit hole with you guys. That was uh, that was a fascinating learning for me. But you said, you know, things are tough when we, as we were talking mindset, but that you come back to kind of an understanding of what's most important. It, do you have a? Um, is there any specific process you use to do that? Like. Is there a, a consistent habit when you kind of feel yourself like getting caught up maybe in, in I think some of the frustrations? I well, I think we do a good job of keeping each other in check. We have this uniqueness to our business that we're married. We're, we we're know each other very well, and we balance each other very well. And so when I'm getting caught up in the minutia of every day, I can say that to him. And so the communication is so important for me to say, I feel like I want to crawl out of my skin because of this, this, and this. And he'll say, okay, well, this isn't a big deal because of X, Y, Z. We have this on the plan to take care of that. And this one, you're just being, you know, you're overthinking it. So, <laughs> and I, I try to do the same thing to him. So I think that because there's two of us, we're able to keep each other in check a little bit more than somebody mm. who's trying to do it mm. all on their own. And I used to do it all on my own. I've been in this business for 25 years. I used to take all the phone calls, do the work, do the bids, 
write them out, do all the things. Uh, and it was, it was very frustrating and very hard to stay on task because there's too many things for one person. And a good friend of mine that owns a couple businesses in town told me years ago, hire, if, if there's something, you, if you don't know how to do accounting, hire somebody that knows how to do accounting. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to, you know, if you don't know how to uh, manage people. And not even know hire. how, if it's something you don't like to do. You may know yeah. how to do the accounting, but it's not something that's a priority for you because you don't like to do it. Right. That's when you outsource mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you outsource what you can't, you know, what you can afford. And most accountants, you know, I had an accountant that used to come help me do my stuff all the time. It was $125 every time she'd come once a month. That's pretty inexpensive. Um, and in your case, then you, then you married somebody who could do some, <laughs> some of the things yeah. you could do. <laughs> or did yeah, you exactly. yeah, yeah, hey, good well, business advice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> find a wife and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that's interesting because I think many of us potentially are trying to f- battle this mindset um, challenge on our own. And, yeah, and you yeah. can't do it all. And you, you have to resign yourself that you cannot do it all, period. I don't, and figure out not if you're what that grow. looks like for you. Hmm. Not if you're going to grow as a company. I have friends that are, you know, in the same realm of business. I have a friend that's been in business longer than me, and we almost partnered about, uh, I don't know, nine years ago. And and at that time, he had more equipment than I did, so he didn't want to partner. But I had the concrete <laughs> skills. And so he didn't, and he's still, him and one employee, he can't get people to work for him. He can't, you know, manage everything on his own. So, uh you know, he's like, I don't understand how you've grown. And, and so we bounce things off of each other quite a bit. Um, but he just can't get there to, to grow because he doesn't have the time to train people, in my opinion, to move forward. Mm-hmm. Do, so, and do you see that if he brought somebody else on, that that would uh... – Maybe it's not even growth. about bringing somebody else on. Right. You have to be willing to bring them on and let them do their job. Right. You can bring somebody on, but if you're going to micromanage them and watch over their shoulder and spend 90% of your time making sure they're doing it your way, they're, you're never going to be successful. You're just paying somebody to, yeah. for you to watch. So yeah. <laughs> you have to let them do their job and trust that. Teach them what you can and you know, you've got to keep an eye on everybody at all times, but you don't have to be there the whole time micromanaging them. And my big thing is, is I'll go out and work. So there's days I'll grab a company truck and a tractor and, and we got a new guy and I'll throw him in the truck and I'll go train him for, you know, I'll take him for two or three weeks and this is how I want the machine chained down. And this is how I want this. And this is how I want that. And safety is number one, uh, priority and, and, spend a little time with these guys, they seem to catch on pretty quick. And he's unwilling to do that. Hmm. He just wants to send them in a truck to take care of everything. And when employees have some ownership of things or some, they feel like they're trusted, Yeah, mm-hmm. they do a lot better. They do do a lot better. So uh, if you were then giving advice, if he came to you and said, gosh, well, what advice would you give? It would be spend more time training your people. Fine. Find people that uh, are willing to work hard and, and train them. Spend some time with them, yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's in. Uh, which one of the two of you do, does one of the two of you try to micromanage more than the other? Is that a bad question? I oh, probably I'm shouldn't a- ask that question. Well, uh, this, I, I'm a marriage counselor because maybe yeah. we need to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. um, I haven't hired anybody to help in the office because I, I, I can't. So here Dusty's <laughs> talking about this, and I'm saying this, and I, I can't physically hire anybody to hand my job over to. Well, so I admit that I'm a micromanager and just don't do anything about it. And then Dusty, I I try to be better in micromanaging. I. I'm really bad at micromanaging, and my son pours all our flat work. He's 26, and, and he just says, "Don't come to my job. Don't don't even come out here." He comes in and tells me how to take a phone call some days, and I'm like, "Okay, yeah, you can go now." I'm better to walk away sometimes. <laughs> I have answered the phone call. Wow! Before. All right, so we yeah. have we have husband wife team and the son that works there. So man, you guys yeah. have really figured out it's a way. It's a family to, affair. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, you've touched on what to me sounds like a few of the critical habits then, um, but but maybe I'll call them out specifically, things you do consistently that you see as having brought a significant return on either your personal or business. Yeah, and... I think the biggest one, when I was thinking about that question, the biggest one for me is setting boundaries. I mean, again, we're married. I keep hammering that point in here. We're married. We work from home. Our son works for us. And so creating boundaries of work hours and home hours are so important. And that's something I never did. I work from sunup to sundown six days a week. I've always done that. And and Annie's made me say, hey, we're not talking about work. It's 530. I don't want to. We'll get tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. We're going to go back to work, but until then, we're not talking about it. And that's not to say that we don't, because yeah. there's things that come up that we do hash out over dinner or, you know, whatever. But we but try for not the most to. Most part, the phone goes off at five, the email goes off at five, and we treat it like a job. It's not, you know, our life. It is our life, but yet at the same time, we have a whole other life outside of that. Yeah, kids. And- so we treat it like a job treat it with the respect and reverence that it deserves and that balances over into our family life as well. Right. Huh. And is there something like, do you physically turn phones off? Are, are there, is there kind of a trigger like a, a specific action that says to your mind or, you know, to um, the people around you, okay, we're now off. I think, I mean, the clock for one, five o'clock, I have the hours posted on the website. I have the hours posted, you know. Um, and I think that I I do. I turn my phone off. I don't answer calls mm-hmm. after 5 um, unless my phone ends up on, in which case sometimes I will. But for the most part, 5 o'clock and, is and, done. And I don't shut my phone off. There's employees, you know, they might call me at 7 o'clock and be like, hey, you know, my daughter's sick. I might not make it. So. That's why I like text so much because we can text back and forth with, with people if there's an issue or, or something's going on. I can still And I think that, that in a day where everything is so fast and people, you know, there's online chat and there's this and there's that and there's always an avenue to um, get a hold of somebody, I still think that there is a great respect from people that, okay, they have business hours and that's okay. And... If they can't respect that, then maybe those aren't the people I want to work for. Hmm. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, any, so that's how you wrap up your day. How do you start your day? What kind of gets you going? Lots of coffee for her. <laughs> oh. Well, she usually takes the kids to school about 7.30, and she's back by 4, 8 o'clock, and, and the phone goes on. Yep. And, they start running. So Dusty, yeah. our guys show up around between 7.30 and 8. Dusty has a meeting with them. Um, Every morning in our office, we have a meeting out there, go over the job, the schedules that are on our board, um, what's important, what's not, and try to get everybody out the door. Any safety issues that have come up, any, you know, truck general, issues. Yeah, mechanic issues that are going on. And then I'll typically touch in once he gets them figured out and make sure they have what they need as far as having a copy of the estimate for the job they're going to so That's that they thing. have the same line of communication with the customer that I have. It's all written out. Everybody's on the same page. You can read that estimate, and they know exactly what they're doing on that job. That's a big thing that we've changed in the last year that works great. I touch in to make sure that they have the supplies they need. If they need to stop by a supply house to pick stuff up, I'll call ahead and make sure they have it ready for them. Um, so that first hour and a half of our, our day is probably the most critical part. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so um, and and Annie, you have a bit. It sounds like of of getting kids to school. Dusty, anything you do in the morning that kind of mentally prepares you to walk into that um, whirlwind? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I look at jobs um, every morning. I look at uh, our balance sheet, where we're at financially. Um, I try to just stay on top of that stuff monthly, weekly. Daily, um, I go over jobs a lot. I'm always up an hour early and um, just going over what needs to happen that day. You know, sometimes I'll lay in bed at night thinking, oh, the guys need this, this, and this for tomorrow. And so I try to just do that in the morning, make sure everybody's getting every tool they need for the job. Um, and that's that's nice. Now we have at least two or three of everything, so that's helped a lot through the years. Um, being able to set them up for their jobs properly. So as you're laying there at night and thinking of all the things that need to happen in the morning, it, any particular tool you use to make sure you don't forget or, or – because I find myself like no. thinking of things at night, and then the next morning at like 10, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I thought about <laughs> that last night, but I don't know what happened. Yeah. Well, I've done that before many a times, but – I, I'm pretty good about remembering. I'm making notes in the morning. That's really all I can think of. Well, they need this, this, and this. So, but I have forgot stuff. I try to uh, write it down in the morning when I'm in here, anything that I have on a little notepad. And he I likes to wait till I'm like making dinner or doing something completely outside of work and say, hey, don't forget to remind me to do such, such. And uh -huh. like, well, that's a lost cause. But I think the action of him saying it out loud helps, helps me him remember, remember as yeah. well. So. And Annie's gone to calendars on Google. So, like, all bids now come to my calendar on my phone. My phone buzzes, and I look at it, and it, it shows, you know, half an hour you got to be at this bid. And so that gives me half an hour to get there. And so the bids and that stuff I, I don't remember. I don't usually ask in the morning, hey, well, how many bids do I have? It just comes up a half an hour beforehand, and, and I just, whatever I'm doing, I just get in the truck and go to the bid. Um, so that's really helpful too mm. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, last maybe topic is, you know, you, you guys start off a morning, there's got to be way more things that could be done every day than what you have time to do. Oh, How yeah. do you identify which tasks you're going to do and, and maybe any, any tips or things you've discovered about how to make sure you get those ones done? Um, I just kind of keep a running list of big things, you know, and there's items that can are pressing, you know, job things that have to be done today. So I try to knock those out in the morning and then in my afternoons work on some of the bigger things, whether it's website working or um, marketing online, um, working on filing and filing taxes or whatever it is that needs to be done that's a bigger picture but has more leeway as far as timing. Um, but I do try to take a look at those big things and work on a few of them every week for a good chunk of time in my afternoons. Hmm. Do you feel more productive in the afternoons or is your morning more productive? Um, it just kind of depends on what's going on for the day. Um, Again, mornings are kind of the busy work, the getting invoices out, getting bids out, getting, you know, the day-to-day -day tasks done. Uh -huh. And then afternoons are more project work, for me at least. I, yeah, I guess my better question was energy. Like, um, sometimes in the afternoon, I, right, like I struggle with doing big projects or, or things like that in the afternoon because I just, I don't feel the energy drive to do them. Well, and that is, I mean, a lot of times that is a problem, and my kids come home from school in the middle of my afternoon, and so that's why sometimes working on that bigger work is easier in the afternoon because it's not um, something that's super pressing. So if I get interrupted in the middle of it, it's not the end of the world, and I can pick back up where I left off. Mm. Energy isn't a huge issue for me. I feel like, you know, there's some days where I'm like, eh, I'm going to, you know, go do something else this afternoon, but that's the great part of being self-employed is that you get to call those shots sometimes. Mm -hmm. And from my standpoint, you know, like, like for instance, if we get into jams, like tomorrow, for instance, we've got to demo some sidewalks in the morning and pour them back in the afternoon. Well, a lot of times you don't have that capability to do the demo. You don't have enough guys, but where we've got, you know, quite a few crews now, we can pull three or four crews in there for three hours in the morning, get it demoed, and then the poor crew can be there at noon and, and be pouring and be because for us we got cold weather setting in next week, so we want to get as many concrete pours done today and tomorrow. So it's nice having multiple guys to be able to get it done. Yeah, that seems to be a strength of your guy uh, of your operation is multiple people who can do. A variety things. of things, yeah. Yeah. So that yep, when, exactly. when you're saying, gosh, freezing weather's coming, we got to get this done, you, you have the people on hand who can do it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, I try to explain to all these guys, in the old days, it was just me. When we had a, a huge slab to pour, I could pour it by myself. I didn't need anybody. And... Now they're spoiled like my son is. He's got four or five guys that help him. <laughs> and, and I try to explain it to him. Sometimes you don't need all these guys to help you. Sometimes you just need one guy and get it done. And, uh, and he's been there when we've done big, big pours when it was just me and him. 
and so but two skilled hands are completely different than a couple laborers helping you know yeah so. <laughs> I will say not every but many business owners that I talk to think gosh I used to be able to do this by myself now it takes four or five of you to do the same work I could have done by, <laughs> by myself. By myself. Yeah. Business owners are a weird breed of people. Yeah. So. But you know, what's, you know what's funny about that is I have friends that are in the business, right, and they, they got an employee or maybe two, and, and they pretty much have to do everything themselves. Like I know lots of concrete guys that they have to scrub every square inch of that concrete themselves. But now they're getting in their 40s. They're starting to slow down. Yeah, they can still do it, and they're still good at it. But they're running a, a small mom-and-pop business, which is fine. It, it's more profit for sure. But from my outlook, it's like, okay, how do we train these people so as I get older, I'm running a successful business that I can have other people doing the work, and I'm just managing. And so that's where we want to be. And uh, try to be on that level. You know? If you'd asked us that question 20 years ago, though, or even 10 years, no that way. would not have been his answer. No, it so he has made a huge evolution huh. in handing over the reins. And yep. I think having his son on, and, just, and not even just his son, but we have some the good, crew of guys, guys yeah. that we have right now is somebody that you can look forward with. And yeah. a, a big thing people don't understand, like, okay, for instance, Every tractor we own is new. It's, it's within four years old. It has stereo. It has air conditioning. It has cabs. So these guys are in a skid steer all day. When I was in a skid steer, it didn't have a cab. I didn't have heat, air. You walk uphill both ways. Yeah, but we had dust blowing in our face all day, and it was miserable. And so, like I explained to my friends that are in the same business, they're like, we don't understand how you can keep employees. And I said, it's not about, there's always going to be the guys that chase the money. You're always going to come across those guys, and that's fine. Let them chase the money, but when they're ready to settle down and work for a company a long time, then that's when you want them. But by having them the best equipment, they have owner proprietorship, you know. A pride of ownership. Pride of ownership, and they're like, I can go to work for that guy for $2 more an hour and sit in that crappy skid steer with no radio, no heat, no air conditioning, the owner's driving a big, brand-new, nice truck and a big house, and, and everybody's got this. But, Or I can stay here at Redco, and I have the best tractor, the best equipment to do the job. And if I have any problems, I have a mechanic that can get the job done for me, get it fixed, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So we, It's making their job easier. We want to make their job easier for them. It's just like, guys, in the old days, we'd lift up these heavy things and put them in the truck. I'm like, don't ever do that. Your back will be broken. And 10 years from now, you won't have a back. Hmm. So let's think, let's work smarter, not harder, and let's get you the best equipment we can get you. So that's what we try to do. And by doing that, we've got to keep good people. Yeah, I, I, I've noticed as you've been talking then, this, the, the connectivity between this long-term vision that, that is more recent, as, as you said, of you yeah. know, 10 years from now, wanting to be running the business, not out uh, finishing concrete. Business, yeah. And so that yeah. then drives the habits and the behaviors that are most important. Um, right. 
right? Because it's tied back to, yeah, you're going to go out and spend time training and developing people because that's the pathway to what you want in the end rather than so hyper-focused on the right now. Right, exactly. And I used to be focused on the right now. I wanted to, if I didn't have a pocket full of money, I was uh, having a bad day. And now it's more long-term, let's focus on the future. You know, it's like our company vehicles, we buy new ones every three years. So we just set a time, okay, every three years we're going to buy this new truck. It's thinking in the future. Um, we do that with all our equipment. You don't want tractors to be over five years old. You want to, you know, upgrade. For one, you're going to keep better employees. For two, breakdowns are going to be minimal. Um, and your trading value is still going to be high. So just things we've learned through the years, too, to keep everybody happy and going. And, mm-hmm. and keep the company as a whole moving forward. Right. And instead of chasing that big payday right now, we want to chase consistent money. And we've been on both sides of the fence where we were chasing this big, big money. And you might hit a job and make a bunch of money at once. And then, you know, that money goes away fast. And then what do you got lined up next? So mm-hmm. we don't do that anymore. So. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Very um, uh, powerful lessons in whatever industry you're in, identifying are the priorities and the daily habits aligning with the long-term vision. Right. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You guys are an awesome example of that. And gosh, I love that it's it's fun to have you guys on together because the power of partnership and the power in mindset of having somebody else that you can interact with and say, you know, gosh, I'm having a, a hard time with this. Sometimes uh, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that can make all the difference of having one other person there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just like, you know, I go to buy a big piece of equipment. I've done this mistake before where I'm like, I want to buy this piece of equipment, and, yeah, it's expensive. And in the old days, I'd just go buy it, and then I'd be like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Now I come to the boss lady, and I say, hey, I want to buy this piece of equipment. And she says, do we really need it? Well, this is why, and this is the job, and, you know, is that job going to pay for this piece? You know, she asked all these questions in the past that would have been like, I don't really want to hear that. I just want to <laughs> get what I want. So I don't get to buy everything I want now, but we get to save up to buy those things. We get yeah. to play devil's advocate with each other yeah. rather than having to be your own devil's advocate. Because I've been on the other side where I was like, I don't care. I'm buying it anyways, and I go get it, and then, uh, you know, it's sitting in the shop for a year or two, and it's like, well, that wasn't a good choice to buy, you know. would have been better to rent it or buy a used one. Yeah, so, yeah. Hmm. We all well, maybe, maybe we'll just uh, wrap up. It's, uh, you know, the, the, this maybe encapsulates what you guys have been talking about here, but, um, and I don't even know if you guys know this, but you have a Google review from a guy who says, uh, gave you five stars and says, I have to say working with everyone from this company was amazing from the initial contact with Annie to the quote with Dusty to all three of the guys who came out to do the work. I'm very impressed with this company and with the end product. So, um, right. That everybody that he interacted with, he, he mentions you two by name, 
but that's yeah. maybe the power of your brand is he had a great experience and a great end result with everybody that he worked with. So, And that's yeah. our ultimate goal. Yeah, I mean, that's goal. what we want to leave people with. We want yeah. to leave it better than we found it. We want to leave them happier than they were when they, before they called us. And when they need something like this, to, for, call us to say, oh, Red Cove was great. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean... Well, yeah, I think anybody listening, if you have concrete work, you know who you're going to call. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, I mean, this has been amazing to um, learn from you guys and to gather insights from from the the work that you guys are doing and the company and the culture that you're building. So, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Wow, that gives us some great things to start with. Now, don't forget for more, check out my website, thejasonharwood.com. You can get my blog and links to my social media accounts to keep your mindset, habits, and hacks moving forward. Now go do one thing better today. We'll see you on the next CEO Idaho podcast.